Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, give unto us the increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain that which thou dost promise. Make us to love that which thou dost command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Deuteronomy. 
Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the plain, that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab opposite Beth Peor. But no man knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great and terrible deeds which Moses wrought in the sight of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A reading from Thessalonians. You yourselves know, brethren, that our visit to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had courage in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the face of great opposition. For our appeal does not spring from error or uncleanliness, nor is it made with guile. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we never used either words of flattery, as you know, or a cloak of greed, as God is witness, nor did we seek glory from men, whether from you or from others, though we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse taking care of her children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. And also the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. Lord Christ. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question saying, What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, inspired by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I put thy enemies under thy feet. If David thus calls him Lord, 
How is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Lord Christ. Christ. Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. With all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In the gospel lesson this morning, beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus continues in his contests and his debates with the Pharisees and the Sadducees following his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The argument Jesus has this morning is a legal one. It is a legal and public debate between skilled and trained lawyers and Jesus himself. The question the lawyer raises this morning, which commandment is the greatest? Which is the greatest commandment in Jewish law? Now this question is no small one. It is the duty of the religious leader of Judaism to teach the law. For to be a faithful Jew is to follow the law. Central. All told, there are 613 laws in the Torah. There are 613 laws of Moses. 613 laws that must be followed and kept to be a faithful and righteous Jew. 248 positive ones, thou shalt. 365 negative ones, thou shalt not. So the existence of some 613 laws and precepts in the Torah presents in and of itself a very substantial problem for a person who understands these 613 laws to be God's will revealed, to be the will of the nation of Israel To be salvation, to be righteousness. 613 laws. How in the world can you ever keep track of all 613 laws? And the bigger question is how do you know which law is more important than another? What law supersedes which law? Now, there are weighty laws, and we all know some of them thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
And there are a lot of lighter laws like this from Deuteronomy. If you chance to come upon a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground with young ones or eggs and the mother sitting upon the young or upon the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall let the mother go. But the young you may take to yourself that it may go well with you and that you may live long. Weighty laws, lighter laws. But who gets to say which is which? Who gets to say that killing another human being is a weightier law than taking a mother bird? So it was extremely important to be duly and properly trained and versed in Jewish law before you were allowed to teach others. It was also very common for these lawyers and rabbis to sum up, if you will, the 613 laws of the Torah in ways that made it easier for the less educated to follow and to obey. People who did not have the time, the resources to memorize and order their life in a way that could easily follow all of them. Now, the rabbi Hillel, which I'm sure we're all aware of, or at least you are now, uh, Hillel, a great and famous teacher who taught just before the time of Jesus, very famous, and he summed up the law of Moses in this way. What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. That is the whole Torah, while the rest of it is commentary. Go and learn it. So the confrontation with Jesus is really a test or a trial to see how Jesus would match up to great and popular Jewish teachers like the rabbi Hillel. What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. Now really and truly, the Sadducees and Pharisees are trying to catch and belittle Jesus. So this question to sum up the law into one sentence is meant to show Jesus as a fraud To show Jesus is someone who does not have a good grasp of the law and who is unorthodox. So they were trying to snare Jesus in asking him to sum up the law in a very public, structured debate. Now Jesus' answer to the lawyer is perfectly, completely orthodox and traditional. Jesus combines two positive commandments. Sounds much like the rabbi Hillel. You shall love the Lord your God from Deuteronomy, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus. Now, in combining these two commands, Jesus also does something original and groundbreaking. He advances the moral code. Jesus puts things together there that day in the temple in a public debate. He puts things together in a way that had yet to be done. Groundbreaking. Now, in popular Judaism, the idea was that everything, the world, if you will, hung on truth, on justice, and on peace. The world hung, was tethered by the laws of Moses, the 613 laws, by sacrificial acts in the temple and deeds of kindness. So Judaism, righteousness hung, founded on 613 (laughs) laws, sacrifices made at the temple, And on being kind to others. Jesus restructures that which is most important. Jesus restructures that which tethers the earth to God. Jesus declares that everything hangs, 
is tethered by love. The world is tethered by love. Love of God, love of neighbor, love of self. Every single thing we as Christians do should therefore be done out of love for God, out of love for neighbor, out of love for self. So then what does that look like? One thing that always comes to my mind is a journey to faithful and sacrificial giving. I don't know why. I guess every three years this reading comes up in the fall when we're thinking about next year's budget. So giving naturally comes to mind. Um, But growing up, I've gone through many different ideas and perceptions about giving that make me think of this morning's gospel. My earliest, very earliest memory of giving was when I was, was Thomas's age. And that memory revolved around the mic box. Now, for those of you who don't know, a mic box is a little bitty cardboard box that works kind of like a piggy bank. Now, the idea of the mic box, it has a picture of the widow putting her mite in the box in the temple. The mic box is for children mainly to collect change in paper money and give it to the poor and then turn the box in to a parish as a group. So most of these mite boxes programs are done during Lent. The boxes are taking up on Easter morning and the parish distributes the money to the poor. And I remember as a very little boy, Thomas's age, being told by my mom that I could not, was not allowed to buy a piece of bubble gum at the local Woolworths with the nickel I had earned. And instead, I had to save that nickel, put it back in my pocket. And when we got home, the mic box was where the nickel was bound for the poor. Now, thinking back on that event, I know the nickel that I, when I got home, put in the mic box was not given out of any sense of love. (laughs) The nickel was given because my mother made me. And I was not happy. In fact, I was mad because I wanted bubble gum and couldn't have it and had to put the stupid nickel in the stupid box. Remember in Dalton, Georgia, Father Don Kramer teaching us little children of the parish that it was our duty, the duty of every Christian to give alms to the poor. It is what God required of us. It was our obligation. And so all the way through my young life, from kindergarten to high school, my mom, Father Kramer, made us give every first dime of every dollar into the mite box. I had to give first to feed the hungry and to clothe the naked before I did what I wanted to with my money. Now, the next real remembrance of giving came when I had to work my way through college. After tuition was paid, after rent was paid, the bill, all the bills were paid, sometimes, sometimes... I had some pocket money left over. And it was a joyous day when I had pocket money left over. I remember going to Mass early one Sunday morning in Starkville, Mississippi, with a wad of spending money in my pocket. And I began to get a gnawing feeling. I wanted to keep the money, to go out, to have some fun. But yet, something compelled me that morning to give that money to the church. Now, again, being completely honest, that feeling that morning in Starkville, Mississippi so long ago was not a feeling of love, not a feeling of thanksgiving. Rather, it was the ingrained idea of the duty of every Christian. 
It was the image of Father Don Kramer pointing his finger. Obligation. It was the image of my mother's evil eye. (laughs) It was the image of the poor. And so again and again and again, I gave the spending money in my pocket to the church out of duty and obligation. (laughs) The first time I remember ever giving money, practicing stewardship as we call it, giving sacrificially out of what I can name as a feeling of love was after Catherine and I married. Catherine and I made a conscious decision to give the first 10% of all we earned to God through the church out of love and in thanksgiving for God's blessings on our lives. For the first time ever, and in a concrete, intangible manner, we ordered our household by putting... Our love of God first. We do not give now out of a sense of duty or obligation, but as a real intangible showing of our love of God. We give now as thanksgiving and getting to the point where we give out of love and thanksgiving instead of out of obligation and duty has made all the difference. It has deepened our relationship with God. It has given our house a peace that it had not known before. It has given us a bit more freedom from the worry over material things and our own well-being. In giving to God, we have received much more in return. Now, I could poke fun at the idea of duty and obligation. Father Kramer's finger-pointing, my mother's evil eye, is being lesser ideas of why we should give. But instead, I propose the idea that even though I did not know it or could not say it at the time, that duty and that obligation, they're very much a part of the idea of love, a part of love itself. Love on which, according to our Lord, the world is tethered. What is love then? Can we in our own time answer that question, what is love, with any degree of certainty? If you watch TV... If you read popular magazines and novellas, you might think love has everything to do with emotional feelings, how I feel, desire, lust, and the pursuit of hedonistic happiness, what makes me feel good. And in a good deal of my pastoral encounters, I know it's fair to say that many people do, in fact, feel that way. I have fallen out of love, it is said. I don't love of that person anymore. I don't feel it. Pretty common types of statements. And they point to the idea that emotional feeling has gone away, that a person no longer excites another person, or that a person has grown bored with who they are with. Now, love, as the Christian should understand it, hangs from the tree. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend's says St. John. Love is the willingness and commitment to self-sacrifice for another. Love is putting the greater good of another before your own. Now the perfect example of that love is found in Christ Jesus. In Jesus Christ who gave his own life so that death would no longer be our final end. So then, the entirety of the world hangs, is tethered on the sacrifice of oneself for others, is hanged and tethered on putting the desires of others before our own, the needs of others before our own. 
And that is something in our own day, in our own age, worth thinking about. How and what do we sacrifice to God? Do we put the will of God, the desire of God, before our own? For in the end, it all comes down to that very question. And that question emanates into every facet of our lives. Not only do we put God before ourselves, another question. Do we put our families and our friends and our community before ourselves? Do we put the needs of those around us before our own? (coughs) The entirety of the world hangs on love. The world is tethered, kept stationary, kept from drifting apart on love. Anchored by love. Love should be at the center of all our actions. Sacrificial love should be at the center of all our actions. Love is at the center, indeed, of all of God's actions. Love is sacrifice. So let us this day, my brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, commit to living lives of sacrifice. Commit to living lives that are anchored, tethered by love. And in committing to that life of sacrifice... Our lives will be forever changed and our eyes will be opened to all the blessings that flow from God and from his creation. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Standing, let us affirm our faith in God and in his holy church. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, Light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. He is worshipped. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the whole state of Christ's church and the world.
With all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above, for the loving kindness of God, and for the salvation of our souls, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, and for the unity of all peoples, let us pray to the Lord. For Duncan, our bishop, Jeffrey, our priest, and for all the clergy and people, let us pray to the Lord. For Barack, our president, Haley, our governor, and Melvin, our mayor, and for the leaders of the all nations, and for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. For the county of Jones, the city of Laurel, for every city and community, for those who live in them, let us pray to the Lord. For seasonable weather and for an abundance of the fruits of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. For the good earth which God has given us and for the wisdom and will to conserve it, let us pray to the Lord. For those who travel on land, on water, or in the air, let us pray to the Lord. For the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, and for the sick and the suffering, especially Erica Adams, Dury Blackledge, Beth Boykin, Luca Ciraldo, the Tim Denson family, Sylvia Ellis, Bonnie Garner, Clementa Lovanell, Leroy Jensen, Alex Carras, Betty Killen, Lynn Jenkins Lindsay, Mary Lou Lott, Mitch Malden, Randy Meadows, Jean Miller, Austin Morgan, Sherry Parrish, Catherine Rich, Ashley Rogers, Reverend Nate Ruff, Casey Smith, Wendy Sneed, Henry Temple, Joanne Todd, Kitty Wagusback, and Shirley Waldrop. For all who suffer from chronic illnesses and for those we now name. Let us pray to the Lord. For those celebrating birthdays, especially Celeste Vial and Floyd West. And for those celebrating anniversaries, especially Robin and Andy Barwick. Let us pray to the Lord. For those with child, especially Allison Albritton, Jessica Dees, Maggie Farrell, Karen Fitzgerald, Elizabeth Hancock, Elizabeth Lindsay, Lauren Kleeman, Jennifer Malone, Vanessa Rustin, and Casey Gibbs Winston. Let us pray to the Lord. For the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, and for all who remember and care for them, 
Let us pray to the Lord. For all who have died in the hope of resurrection, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For deliverance from all danger, violence, oppression, and degradation, let us pray to the Lord. For the men and women of our armed forces at home and abroad, especially John Asbel, Louisa Balthazar, Chase Bradshaw, John Brewer, Michael Bueller, Melissa Kleckler, Jay Holloway, Scott Howell, Eric Jermillo, Walton Lucky, <coughs> Bailey Lutz, Calvin Powell, R.P. Powell, Harold Russell, Michael Thomas, Joe Vinson, Carrie Walker, James Warner, Mark Walters, Wyatt Welch, and Joshua Walt Yarbrough. Let us pray to the Lord. <laughs> Lord For the absolution and remission of our sins and offenses, let us pray to the Lord. Lord that we may end our lives in faith and hope without suffering and without reproach, let us pray to the Lord. Defend us, deliver us, and in thy compassion protect us, O Lord, by thy grace. In the communion of the ever-blessed Virgin Mary, St. John our patron, and all the saints, let us commend ourselves and one another and all our life to Christ our God. O Lord Jesus Christ, who still today dost tread the busy thoroughfares of life in readiness to heal and save, open our eyes that we may recognize thy presence. Open our hearts that we may trust thy love for us. Open our lips that we may joyfully confess thee before men. We ask it for thy dear name's sake. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you and thought of our word by what we have done and by what we have not done. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in our will and walk in our way to the glory of your name. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in everlasting life. Amen. Please stand. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And also
Good morning, everyone, and welcome to St. John's this morning. Uh, we have a big, exciting week coming up um, this Saturday night, no, October 29th. Uh, we will have our annual wine tasting and silent auction. There are still some tickets available, uh, so you may see one of the vestry people uh, to, today to purchase a ticket. Uh, you may do so through the parish office this week by phone or stopping by or through our website. So that's coming up. Uh, so, so please, please... Uh, if you have not bought tickets, buy them and come out and enjoy us. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, and then on Monday night, that's the official Laurel City trick-or-treat night, we'll meet here, I think, at 5, at five o'clock. We'll meet 5 o'clock-ish. Uh, and then we'll have uh, a brief prayer service, receive a priestly blessing. And then in costume, we'll all go trick-or-treat down historic 6th Avenue. It's always a lot of fun, uh, but you have to be prepared for chaos as there's 20, 25 kids uh, trick-or-treating in a group, which is uh, interesting. We make it about halfway down usually before it splits off into two or three groups, but it's, it's a good time. So, so please keep that in mind. Um, and if you have not contacted the church, but are interested in the Wednesday night confirmation classes, please let me know. I'm trying to work on times and start dates and things like that. So we still, we've had some interest in that. Uh, so I'll give that one more week. And I think that is all that is pressing. Um, so as is our custom during the fall, uh, we're having spiritual reflection by different reflections by different members of our parish. So this morning we'll hear from Jennifer Myrick, our verger today. So um, I will give seed the floor to her. a lot of you out there. Um, I've got the pleasure, I have the pleasure to uh, speak with you all today about stewardship, yay. Um, as I was working on what I was going to say, I went through, you know, the many reasons why we should give. Um, you know, God commands it. Uh, tithing is essentially good for spiritual growth. It's an act of fellowship. Uh, it furthers God's kingdom. These are things we all know. These are things that we were raised with. These are things that, you know, our parents tried to instill in us. And I thought, well, then what am I going to talk about? I thought about my favorite subject, me. So, I'm going to learn about myself. Um, then I'll tell you a little bit what I am, what I'm not, and what I want to be. Uh, I'm a transplant, obviously, from... I would say my lack of accent, but um, I'm from California. I drink soda. I drive on a freeway. Uh, alfalfa sprouts are a condiment. So I'm kind of a little bit of a transplant here. I'm the fifth of six siblings. I was born in Mobile. My parents um, moved us to California when I was seven due to the fact that my father was employed at Berkeley Fields, and when Berkeley Fields closed, we moved to McClellan Air Force Base in California. Uh, my father retired from Berkeley, uh, moved back to their homeland in Smith County. In 1995, he passed away. Um, I was not able to be with him when that happened. It really burdened my heart quite a bit. 
So we fast forward a bit. Oh, and I'm a crier too, by the way. <laughs> uh, fast forward uh, down the road to 1999. I had the gift to be able to move back. Well, I'm really not back to move uh, to help my mother. Um, she was getting a little older, and I wanted to be close to her. God granted me a gift of time with her. Um, that was short-lived, unfortunately. About the time Father Jeff arrived, um, we had her in the hospital. I knew I wasn't going to do this. Um, it was it was an interesting time. Um, I was alone, but I wasn't alone. I wanted to be alone, but I didn't want to be alone. I remember um, asking Father Jeff to come give her... Um, Pray over her for her her her, her uh, a healing prayer. By the time he got there, we were given her last rites. Uh, the the gift that I received on that day was a gift of closure, a gift of comfort. And it came with Father Jeff bringing it. Yet another gift I can never repay. Oh, I thought that was bad. Here's the bad one. (laughs) I'm a mother. You guys pray for my son every Sunday, James Warner. Um, Since his first land deployment in Iraq, it's been nerve-wracking. He's had... uh, Many, many, many deployments to the Middle East, but uh, recently on ground. Um, It's tough having your only child boots on a foreign land. It's horrifying. To him, it's not. He'll say, it's my job, it's what I do, Mom. Don't hurt. This is only supposed to be two minutes, right? (laughs) going to get through it. Um, But you pray for him every Sunday. He hears your prayers. He tells me he hears your prayers. And um, I thank you for that, for his peace and protection of prayers. And I can never repay that as well, a gift I can never repay. Um, I'm a wife. Byron and I were married in this church seven years ago. Stan married us. It was a big wedding. No, it wasn't. It was very private. It was a priest, a bride, and a groom. It was perfect. Um, it was actually during vacation Bible school, and we had a big volcano here. It was Joe and the volcano, and Byron and I and Stan. Um, the gift that I received there is the gift of a spouse that is committed to this church and um, I'm honored and proud to sit with you and serve with you okay that part, bad part's over I'm a verger I enjoy being a verger um, I serve at the pleasure of the priest with my fellow verger um, thank you Father Jeff for that there's a certain vantage point that we have up here as, as, as vergers. And there's a certain point in the service 
that many probably see the back of, but you never see the front of. And that's when Father Jeff walks up, pauses as the altar um, party gets settled in, and he kneels on his right knee, and he genuflects toward the Blessed Sacrament. The look on his face when he does that is awesome to be around. Um, It is an awesome feeling to be around his gift of humbleness and pious. And it's a pleasure to have Father Jeff and his family with us. Um, That's a a gift that I, I have no words for. So, we've talked about my many gifts, um, gifts of time with my parents before they passed, prayers of comfort upon their death, prayers for a son far away, a wonderful place to worship with my husband, and a priest who loves and cares for us. Now I get to tell you why I'm not. I need to clarify this before I go here. Um, Our family is one tithing unit, but we actually are two giving units. So what I speak of here is is my my tithing. Um, I'm not a tither. I don't tithe. I'm a faithful giver. I write my check. And it gets into the plate. I don't give my first fruits with all the many gifts I've received. I don't give my first fruits. I give until it's comfortable. I might as well put yeah, the, my check in the same category of my gym dues. Every year at about this time, I sit down and I decide what's comfortable to pledge. Each year is a little more and a little more. But it's never a biblical tithe. It's never 10%. I want to be a 10% tither. I want to be a biblical tither. I want to give God my first fruits. I want to put God first. The purpose of tithing is to teach us to put God first in our lives. If we refuse to tithe, we prove that he really isn't first in our lives. And I want him to be first because he puts me first. This year when I sit down and decide on a comfortable amount to give, I will be challenging myself to put God first. And I challenge you as well to do. Uh, If I may, we could end in a prayer. Uh, This was written in 1950, and it's so true today. It says, O Lord, who has taught us that thou wilt require much from those who much is given, grant that we, whom thou hast called to so goodly, a heritage may extend more abundantly to others that we so richly enjoy, and in serving them may know the glory of serving thee. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you.
walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God.
please stand. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. The holy sacrifice of this Eucharist is offered to the greater glory of God and thanksgiving for his many, many blessings upon our lives. Giving thanks especially this day for the grace of God which pervades our lives. We offer special intentions for all those throughout this world who are suffering the effects of natural disasters. Remembering especially those in the Near East. Remembering especially the Christian communities that are endangered and persecuted there. And may the souls of all the faithfully departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. The Lord be with you. up your hearts. We Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you. Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, for you are the source of light and life. You made us in your image and called us to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself. And when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. The night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And we celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father now and forever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are bold to say,
gifts of God for the people of God.
Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you this day and remain with you always. Amen.